This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we hit this Memorial Day weekend, I apologize uh, for my voice, but I have a late spring cold, which is a disaster, okay? Um, it sounds worse than it is, but it's just a pain in the neck. I hate having a cold, always did. So one thing that annoyed the heck out of me when I was working day-to-day was having a cold because it just affects your broadcasting terribly. But uh, like I said, it sounds worse than it really is, although, like I can tell you, I have a sore throat. Um, but, you know, you got to keep you know, moving along. All right. As always, the Mike Francis podcast is brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. For all of your wagering needs, download the uh, highly informative uh, Bet Rivers app, and they will take care of all your wagering needs. Uh, remember, Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, play Sugar House in Connecticut. Let's start with a little basketball because we could be looking at least something historic. Uh, we have had on a handful of occasions teams down 3 nothing make it back to 3-3. Nobody has ever swept the four games in the NBA playoffs. It has on occasion been taken to seven games, and now the Celtics have won games four and five and will get ready for what will be a very eventful, very pressurized, very intense Game six tomorrow night uh, in Miami. Because let's be honest, if you're rooting for the Heat or you've been following the Heat here who have been really big underdogs and have played superbly throughout the playoffs, you don't see them blowing a 3-0 lead and then winning game seven in Boston. That's going to be very hard. Jimmy Butler or no Jimmy Butler. I'm not saying impossible, but very, very difficult. The momentum and the uh, everything will have swung so dramatically to the Celtics. Now, why are the Celtics still here? Because they've played better the last two games. They've made some subtle changes. They had been severely outcoached in this series, and they had been severely out-executed in this series. But the biggest thing that the Celtics did in the last two games, has hit threes. When the Celtics shoot 40% from three, and they are a volume three team, they win. Look at their record. They're a 500 team or a little less when they shoot under 40. When they shoot 40 or above, they win all the time. So they have gotten good performances the last couple of days from especially White, who can be very, very strong from the perimeter. He was 6 of 8 from 3 last night. He has given them a big lift the last couple of games. He had been non-existent in the playoffs. 
And they've gotten two back-to-back games from Smart, who had been playing terribly, but has backed it up with two big games. Celtics had four guys score over 20 points last night, which is key. White led them in scoring, then Smart, then Brown and Tatum. Tatum had 11 assists, double-digit for the first times in the postseason. So he didn't have to do all the scoring. In a big game, he's going to do a lot of the scoring and a lot of the shooting down the stretch. You know that. This is going to become Tatum with a little Brown thrown in and then Butler on the other side with a little Bam Adebayo thrown in. Now, what else is the subtleties that has happened here? The Williams... The two Williamses have made their presence felt in the last couple of games. They have, they have really ratcheted up the Celtics' level of physicality and intensity. And they have been very physical with Butler. The Williamses have made a very big impact. They did in game five when they both played solid minutes. They did in game four. They will in game six or as far as this goes now. White, Williams, and Williams are major factors in this series now. They like to use Horford because he's smart and he facilitates the ball well. He moves the ball well, but he does not make enough shots anymore. He has been miserable throughout the playoffs from three. And he, in the past, has been a very good three-point shooter. But he still moves the ball quickly, so he'll always get his minutes. And he's a smart player. He had 11 rebounds last night. He had five assists. So his shooting woes, they continue from three. But he did other things. But they have gotten a big lift from White and a big lift from the Williamses. And that is why they are still here. And that's what they're going to carry forward here. Let's be honest, if they're standing after game six tomorrow night, they are in very good shape. It's on the line for the Heat tomorrow night. They know it. Everybody knows it. Riley knows it. Spolster knows it. Butler knows it. And Butler tried to put forth a very confident, very, we have this under control level of demeanor after game five he is their leader he is their physical leader he is their spiritual leader he is the guy who makes that whole thing tick the two most important people on that team are jimmy butler and spolster now it would help if they had vincent back from the ankle he sat out last night i'm sure he'll try i don't know how much they'll get from him They will need good performances, I think, from Lowry and Love, experienced guys who have been there and done that tomorrow. I think Lowry plays a very, very key role for the Heat in Game 6 to pick up those baskets when they need one, to take the ball to the rack when they need one. And the Heat, early in the series, when they were winning, were not turning the ball over. The last two games, they've turned the ball over and given the Celtics easy transition baskets off the turnovers. They can't turn the ball over. And look for 
a very, I think, intense, close game six. And like I said, if the Celtics are standing after game six, and they have a good shot, they've been a very good, very good road team, then they have a very strong chance to make history. They're the better team here. They got behind 3 nothing. Only the second time in conference finals that a team with a better record had been down 3 nothing to a team with a lesser record. So it was very unusual to have that happen. But this series now will have a heightened drama for as far as it goes into game six. Everything on the line for Miami. And then maybe a game seven Monday night. They didn't put a time on it yet, but Monday night I would figure. It is a holiday. They could play it in the afternoon. I don't think they will. But they could. They hadn't announced a time yet. I would think they'd play it Monday night. But we'll see. It will be Monday, though, of this Memorial Day weekend. All right, we talk about baseball all the time on this Memorial Day weekend. Um, I know from the podcast that Bobby's words about the Yankees got a lot of attention. Uh, that he said he thought Cashman would make some major moves. Bobby is spending his time on the West Coast now. And what he's hearing on the West Coast is that some teams, especially the Padres, and to a lesser extent because of their record, but overall maybe to a larger extent in terms of volume, the White Sox, are looking to deal prominent players. The Padres feel now that they made a bad mix with their stars. So they have to jettison, in their mind, one of their stars to fix this. It alleviates financial burden with the big contract, and it gives them a chance to change the chemistry because they feel it's a chemistry problem that they have in their clubhouse. That could make a very interesting player available. Now, it's, there's no question. The Yankees, if you've watched them this year, and if you've watched them especially against Tampa, and watched them against the Orioles, and the Orioles are a good baseball team now. They've grown up, and now they're a good baseball team. And they can stand toe-to-toe with the Yankees they just did in the series at Yankee Stadium. And yesterday's game's a perfect example of a game the Orioles couldn't have won a couple of years ago. They could never win that game. The Yankees would come back on them, just like the Yankees came back on them the first night. And you probably said, same old Orioles. But then the Orioles turned around and devastated the Yankees the second night from 5-1 down. And you said, whoa. They aren't the same old Orioles. And then last night, the Orioles won a game that they never win in the past. Because you have to be built like a proper baseball team to win that game. You have to have starting pitching. You have to have bullpen. 
and you have to be able to play close games. Now the Orioles can do that, which is why the Yankees are looking up at them in the standings. So you look at it from that standpoint, and the Yankees have a lot of work to do. And they have to make changes if they want to win this thing. The Astros might have gotten off a slow start. They might have a couple of problems in their bullpen, but they'll fix them. Because the Astros think in terms of championships. And the Yankees need to make changes if they want to win championships. Or a championship. It's been obviously a long time. Think back now. 2009 is a long time ago. You know, it's funny. I remember that series like it was yesterday. Really do. And as you get older, the time really speeds up. I mean, it's New Year's and then it's Memorial Day. It's amazing how, how and you, you see it through your kids. I have two graduating high school next week. My twins, both graduating, going off to college in August. Um, so obviously transition time. But you realize how fast high school went. You know, one of the things I wanted to do was I really wanted to get to see them do all the things they do in high school because doing the job we did through the years took a lot of time. You know, I left in the morning. I got back, you know, 8, 8.30 most nights. That's if I wasn't going to a game or something else or an event or something or whatever. So on a normal night, I got home 8, 8.30. So I missed Little League and I missed all that stuff and I missed, you know, midget football and all the different things that went on those years. And I got a chance to see a lot of that in high school. But it amazed me how fast it went. You know, they're freshmen, then they're seniors. Boom, boom. And now they're adults. You know, they're 18 years old. And they're going off to college. Which, like I said, in August, we'll do that. We'll send two off to college. Um, and one right behind them because Harrison will be a senior next year, so he'll be going off to college next year. Um, it's amazing how fast the time goes. And as you get older, it goes even faster. It doesn't slow down. It goes even faster. Because when you're working every day and you're putting in a lot of hours, you know, weeks go by in a snap, but it even gets faster as you get older. You can't slow it down. The one thing you can't slow down is time. And it's amazing how quick it gets. You know, when you're back in, as a kid in school, it seems like you're sitting in that afternoon class forever, waiting for 3 o'clock to come, and it never comes. Now, what used to seem like an hour is now a week. And, you know, as you write write checks to things, that's when you see it. You say, like, what's the date? And you say, how is it already almost June? Where the heck did this year go? And you say that more and more and more. And as a Yankee fan, you look at this and say, 
Think about how long it's been since they have won a World Series. It has been a long time. It's 14 years. And that's an eternity in Yankee land, an eternity. You look at the Mets right now and you see what they need. And I'll tell you this. You didn't think there would be ever an underrated player in New York. But I I contend that Pete Alonso is incredibly, incredibly underrated and incredibly overlooked. I understand he doesn't fit the profile of the typical superstar. You know, he doesn't look great in a uniform. He's kind of a lumbering guy. You know, he's a big man. Not a bad fielder. Plays every day. But you realize this guy is just a flat-out home run machine. I mean, years ago, I don't remember who the first to compare him to Harmon Killebrew was, but this guy is the modern Harmon Killebrew. And I watched Harmon Killebrew play. And Harmon Killebrew was a squat guy with big muscles, slow, not a great glove. Played some third base, then he lived at first base. No DH in those days. But he could hit the ball to the moon. And he hit the ball to the moon consistently. And this guy was clutch. I mean, he was clutch. There were guys that when I was growing up, you didn't want to see up in a big spot. No matter what his batting average was, you didn't want Brooks Robinson up in a certain spot because he might hit 250 or 260, but when he needed to get a base hit, he got a base hit. When Killebrew needed to get a big hit, he got a big hit. You did not want to face him in a big spot, and often he got a big homer. Mantle was another one. Mantle was incredibly clutch. You do better to, fit, to, to pass Mantle. Now, I didn't see the early Mantle in the early 50s, and they used to say Yogi was clutchy than Mickey, and he probably was because Mickey struck out a lot. But later years, Mantle was incredibly clutch. But Alonzo, to say he has carried the team is even unfair. It's not doing him justice. He has 19 home runs and 45 RBIs. I understand he hits 240. I don't think he's ever going to hit more than 260, 259. But he's the second fastest to 150 home runs in history. If you do it by games, Ryan Howard was one. 
and Alonzo was two. Alonzo in his career already has 165 home runs. Now, he didn't come up as a baby, so he's not 23 years old or 24 years old. He's 28 years old. But he is a great slugger. And he hits big, big home runs. He's got a good personality. He doesn't have magnetism. He doesn't have Mike Piazza looks. He doesn't have magnetism that superstars have. I agree with that. But it's amazing how overlooked this guy is. On national scene, nobody talks about him. Now, here in New York, obviously, Judge is an incredible all-around player. Nobody can take that away from him. He does everything, and he does everything brilliantly. He's an immense athlete. He's a great fielder. He does everything right. He's a, you know, an incredible offensive player. He's a leading man in every way. And he's obviously, you know, one of the biggest guys to ever put a uniform on. So he does cast a very, very large presence. I understand that. But this guy deserves a lot more attention than he gets because you know what? He carries this team on his back. And he is an incredibly consistent home run hitter. I mean, here we are at the start of the Memorial Day weekend, and he's already got 19 home runs. He leads the league in RBIs. And he doesn't have a whole lot behind him. You question, I question why he doesn't get pitched around more. I mean, if you think about it, wouldn't you walk this guy? He's had 27 walks. A guy like this should have, you know, should have already have 60 walks. There's nobody behind him to scare you. And he hits the ball to the moon. But this guy's never had even 75 walks in a season. They don't pitch around this guy. And he goes up there to hit. But this guy plays every day. He carries the load every day. He feels his position, and he is incredibly consistent for what he does. Is he a five-tool marquee superstar? No. 
But the old adage, you know, that home run hitters drive Cadillacs and singles hitters drive Fords. Well, this guy should be driving a Maserati. And he deserves a lot more acclaim than he gets. Could you imagine where the Mets would be without him? Think back this season to how many big home runs he's hit. And how many big, big at-bats he's had. Maybe lost without this guy. And last year he played 160 games. 160 games. I mean, that is impressive. The Mets have played 51 games. You know how many games he's played in? 51. Like I said, he is overlooked in our city, which is really head-scratching. Some emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Um, obviously, we have the NBA finals to come. We still have the Stanley Cup finals to come. Last night, I was watching the overtime. I was watching the uh, overtime and turned it on when it was uh, going overtime. They had to call the penalty, and then obviously, Stars stayed alive. But it sure looks like the Panthers and Vegas are going to play a Stanley Cup final. And uh, I go back to watching the Panthers beat the Bruins that seventh game because I wanted to see what all the hubbub was about the Bruins. And something was missing with that Bruin team at the end of the year. I don't know what it was, but we're in the playoffs. But they. We'll look in the fall, and I, I still remember seeing that goal with 59 seconds left. That sent the game into overtime. Uh, I'm sure they do, too. Dan starts us off, and he gets right to what we just talked about. And I didn't set this up. This was the first email. Is Alonzo to the Mets for judges to the Yanks? Yes. Now, he is not... When you think of superstars, they're supposed to be five-tool players. Alonzo is not a five-tool player. But the tools he has on his belt are pretty special. So he is to the Mets what judges to the Yankees. Uh, Joe says you uh, say that great teams need strong leaders. All right, I think everyone says that. Uh, Would you overpay Barkley to keep his presence on the roster? Absolutely not. Listen, no position has changed more than running back in the NFL. We just lost Jim Brown. Jim Brown, when he played, was the lion. He was the king of the forest. He was the man. And running back was the position. Now quarterback is the position, and running back is a secondary position. You do not need to pay 
running backs. And as they get older, you don't want to pay running backs. I like having a couple of good third-round 22-year-olds as my running backs. I'll make that work. Are you a fan of the show Succession? Tim, everybody raves about Succession to me. I never started watching it because at the time when it came out, I was watching too many things. So I've never watched an episode, but obviously I know a lot about the show because so much has been written and discussed with the show. And it made a character actor named Brian Fox a big star. Just like Breaking Bad made Cranston a big star. And they're great actors. They deserve the acclaim. I will start. I'd like to wait till the weather gets bad next year and then start to watch Succession so I can watch a lot of them uh, on a rainy day or a snowy day or something like that. Um, Give me something to do. So I would wait for that. I have not watched it. What do you think of Carmelo's chances of making it to the Hall of Fame? Carmelo is going to the Hall of Fame. It's not even an issue. Like him, don't like him. He was a prolific scorer. You want to call his career where he was drafted, in the draft he was drafted in. You want to call his career disappointing, go ahead especially after winning a national championship at Syracuse. Carmelo was a prolific scorer. That's all you could. He's a Hall of Fame easy. Um, is the thing that happened to Rogers a sign? No, don't get crazy about Rogers. Rogers will be fine. Um, what has been your favorite part about transitioning to podcasting? I never thought of it that way, to be honest with you. Um, what I like about this is that I get to have a vehicle and a forum when I want to talk sports. And that to me is like breathing. So this gives me the opportunity to do that. I love having a weekly thing, especially during the football season. I love doing football Friday. I love doing after the games on Sunday. I love taking the game apart right after it's over. I go upstairs. I come come right downstairs, turn the game off, try to get the coach to say a couple of words, the losing coach. And I come downstairs, get Mons on the line, and then we go to work. That's what I like to do. The immediacy of that, that's what I love. And like I said, to me, it's like breathing. Um, What held Phil Sims back from being a Hall of Fame quarterback? Bad luck, injuries, and indecision in the coaching staff about his abilities early in his career held him back. getting hurt and not winning that second Super Bowl. If he had won that, he'd be a Hall of Famer today. Phil Simms was a beautiful thrower of the football, incredibly accurate, and at his best, was a wonderful quarterback. 
And let's be honest, there's a lot of guys who have gone out there on Super Sunday. No one's ever gone out there on Super Sunday and played more efficiently and played at a higher level than Phil did in Pasadena against the Broncos. 22 of 25 for 271. You can't do better than that. 22 of 25 for 271. It's almost perfection. And he was as good as it can be that day. He was a beautiful thrower to football. And very, very accurate. And it's very hard to teach accuracy. You can make quarterbacks better in a lot of ways. They're usually accurate or they're not. Hard to make people... Now you can improve their footwork. You can improve their timing. You can change grips. You can do a lot of different things. But accurate quarterbacks usually are accurate quarterbacks. And Phil was a really accurate quarterback. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.